The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today we go for Euro as the Champions League gets underway. Magpies in Milan, Man United in Munich and much more in the last group stage ever probably. There's league news too. Bayern, Bayer, Pogba positive and Fratesi's four-finger salute. Plus, why despite shifting out Deadwood like Neymar and Messi, PSG are still piss poor. All that and much, much more in this Totally Football Show. Monday the 18th of September and here in the studio we have Jim Horncastle. Hello. Alvaro Romeo. Hola, hola. Raphael Honigstein. Hello. And Julian Laurence. Bonjour. Woo. We're here a whole day early, listener, because we just could not wait. Just could not wait to see Rafa in his lederhose. Hey. Hey. So Servus Christi. I'm sorry? I was being nice to you in Bavarian, James. Excellent, Rafa. Could you explain uh, why you're wearing... This delightful ensemble. Oktoberfest has started. Oh. It's my heritage. In mm. September. Yes. And it's the Euro show. I mean, if you can't wear Euro attire here, then mm. where? Did you wear them on the tube coming in? On the bike. Oh, you rode it on a bike. I rode on a bike. Fantastic. Yeah. It must have been quite warm because it's, it's kind of like a thick leather. And they've got a lovely kind of stitching. The mm. filigrees. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Suede, James. Yeah, and the shoes as well. I can recommend it, James. <laughs> right. Are they, you, I can't see if you've got the big socks. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Bingo. Hey. Something. Yeah. That's something, that. It certainly is. Next week, Jules will be coming with a, a baguette, maybe a, a necklace of onions. Oh, there's no need to be serious. Yeah, that's racism. No? That's racism. <laughs> that racism. As a mime artist? Cancellation. <laughs> In a berry. Yeah. He would, yeah. I, d- I, think, no. I think Jules is He'll incapable be of being a mime because he He'll can't be keep his mouth shut. Surely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. On strike. His yellow jacket. <laughs> hey 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 let's do a moment of the weekend jules well i don't know if you'll be happy or not with this moment of the weekend but benjamin mendy played football again uh two years after his last game for Manchester city of course and everything that happened in between he came on for the last half hour for lorient against monaco he was involved in lorient's second goal that got a point there was an ovation, ovation when he came on. There was a few boos and like whistle. Um, it made me feel a little bit uneasy, I won't lie, to see him coming on. I'm not sure why on television. But Lorient have given him a second chance. Okay, how did it go for him? Yeah, he did well. I mean, like I said, he set up, well, he was part of the setup for the second goal. They played with wing backs, so on the left hand side, that look good. He's still not fit to play a whole 90 minutes. He won't be for a while. But I guess after 723 days of not playing football, he looked, he looked happy to be back on the pitch. I can imagine. James, your moment of the weekend. There's so many in Serie A this weekend, James. Every week, every week. No, but this know, week in particular. Like if, we, if there was still a TV show that uh, rounded up the weekend. It's mm. no demand Serie for that. Um, do you remember those times where... <laughs> Nobody was watching. The, 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 the times where we would struggle to come up with five goals of the weekend. Three. We struggled to make three. So. I mean, they're about... 10, uh, but mm. probably the most high profile is Marcus Turam's goal yeah. uh, for Inter in the 5 1 win. A historic 5 1 win for Inter in the Derby della Madonnina, um, the biggest in almost 50 years. 
and uh, yeah, Churam just running after a lost cause and then deciding to bend it in the far corner. Uh, magnificent. So yeah, there you have it. Much more to come on that game, Alvaro. Well, my moment of the weekend, I don't know if it will have repercussions uh, for the weekend, but uh, for the Champions League, sorry. But Atletico lost at Valencia 3-0. That was heavy. Uh, Simeone said that it was probably the worst game of uh, his period as an Atletico de Madrid manager. And Jan Oblak also was very critical of it. And a big victory for Valencia too, because at the end of the day, this is a club that um, has been enduring a very long crisis for uh, at least four or five years. And they are fifth on the table after beating Atletico. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Rafa. James, I've had a really hard time picking a moment <laughs> of the week this week because there were pivotal later, moments Hosen. everywhere. <laughs> right. You could go with Palacios' last-minute goal mm. to get Leverkusen to draw at Bayern. You could go with Niklas Höfler getting sent off for Freiburg because that changed the dynamic of the game, maybe kept Eden Terzic in the job for Dortmund. But the moment of the week that I chose mm. was Florian Grilic's goal for Hoffenheim. Are you being nice and Bavarian again? Mm, no, he's Austrian. Right, okay. Um, from just inside his own half into wow. an admittedly empty net, but still, if you like long-range efforts, and I do, mm. it was a lovely one. All right. All right, fantastic. Well, well much for us to uh, be getting onto in the course of today's show. This is also the week that sees the Champions League, the Europa League, and the Conference League return. So let's begin with some of the key matchups in that. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Champions League, Europa League, Conference League are all back this week. On the highlights, Tuesday, or of Tuesday's fixtures, you've got Milan, Newcastle, Paris Saint-Germain, Dortmund, Lazio, Atletico. Wednesday, Bayern against Man United, Real Madrid against Union Berlin, and Real Sociedad against Inter. And then Thursday, blah, 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 we'll get on to the uh, Thursday stuff later on. But hey, pick a game, everybody. Alvaro, what catches your eye? Well, I would say, yeah, Real Sociedad Inter, after what Inter did in the weekend, uh, they are playing against Real Sociedad, who were competitive against Real Madrid. Not enough, though, to beat them because they lost at Santiago Bernabeu. It's the first game of Real Sociedad in the Champions League for nine years. I think that they have been uh, drawn in a very tough uh, group, but at the same time, uh, I'm sure that they will try to make uh, of Real Arena a big fortress. And there is a player that is standing out right now, Takefusa Kubo, uh, the Japanese player, uh, in the past, uh, you could see him play and say he's silky, he's got technique, but he doesn't have an impact in games. But right now, we have to, you know, uh, blow away that narrative because he's gone. Now, uh, he's an impactful player and at Santiago Bernabeu, he did an excellent first half. And I think that Inter will find it uh, probably difficult in the first half of the game, definitely there, because Real Sociedad is uh, capable, you know, of... Uh, um, taking the reins of the game, of attacking, then uh, whether they can sustain that in 90 minutes is another story. But I think that uh, they will, they feel very emotional about this game and there is like a huge expectation at uh, San Sebastian about this game. Okay. That group also including Benfica and Salzburg Inter though, who went toe-to-toe in their last Champions League match with Man City. And this weekend were suggesting to some people, James, that they might be even better this season. Yeah, which is... Surprising considering uh, the players that they lost in the summer. Onana, Skriniar, uh, Brozovic, Dzeko, Lukaku. I mean, that's the spine of a team uh, there. And instead, it looks like losing that Champions League final to Man City is the making of them because I think they came away from that thinking that they could have won that game, that they are as good as City. And certainly they've been by far the best team uh, in Serie A. 
maybe not only this season, but from April onwards last year. Um, but they were superb uh, against Milan. And once upon a time, when they were coached by Spalletti and Conte, they had a bit of a complex when it came to getting out of the Champions League group stages. That seems to have been completely lifted by Simone Inzaghi. So I'd expect them to be... Hmm pretty comfortable. Uh, they are going to be very competent uh, and Inter have uh, something that uh, is very formidable of course and difficult to tackle which is that they've got like five, six players on the pitch uh, whoever starts really who can score I think that mm -hmm. this is one thing that defines Inter Fratesi the other day he scores a beautiful goal scores two for Italy uh, Mkhitaryan Chalanoglu all the strikers really they are a very complete package right now probably the best squad in Italy as well so mm. you know it's going to be difficult for Real Sociedad five goals at the weekend and none of them from Lautaro Martinez which uh, you know, speaks about the depth the wealth of talent available to Simone Inzaghi Group F looks tasty Angels yeah. PSG taking on Borussia Dortmund yeah on the back of that defeat on Friday night mm. at the Palais de France already losing their first game of the season 3-2 they had chances to do better I guess Dembele, Dembele, Mbappe, Ramos could have scored, but they were done far too easily. I thought by Terem Mofi and Francesco Farioli's plan for Nice, the, the young Italian manager there, to play well on the counter. Mofi was really strong. I mean, Skriniar looked like he just could not move, like he just eaten like a big meal and, and needed, needed to sleep because he was destroyed by Mofi. And it was actually quite embarrassing for Skriniar to see that him being that bad and PSG defensively overall being that bad. So I think Dortmund would have chances They probably would score. PSG would score as well. I think it would be quite an open game and for all the control that Luis Enrique would like this team to have, it's just not there yet. Why do you think PSG is still struggling? There's a lot of really good things and like we said last week, I think mm. Luis Enrique is doing a good job. However, I still find them too exposed and in that game, Ugarte was rested, Marquinhos was rested so they, they make the team much better when they play. So I think they will be much better against Dortmund on Tuesday. But it's still a um, work in progress, really, especially out of position. As, as, as soon as they lose the ball, they were just not up for it on Friday night. I mean, it strikes me as the PSG with the least star power of, well, since maybe year one or year two of the Qataris. Even then you had Thiago Silva and Ibrahimovic. Yeah. So but year like, two suddenly. But, but one, like yeah. this summer has been a big transition when you think of uh, Messi and Neymar going. But obviously like someone like Verratti, who was yeah. there to say goodbye because he's going to play in Qatar with all the other players that PSG have offloaded for lots of money. I don't know what, you, what you're <laughs> meaning there or insinuating. <laughs> I don't know. You know, they like our players. We sold them to them. You know, there's nothing wrong in that. 80 million for three rejects. <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what we do. Yeah. But oh, what's missing? Yeah. Is it a midfield this time? or Maybe a bit of creativity and to James's point, if you lose Neymar, Messi and Verratti the same summer and don't really replace them by players, obviously not as good, but with creative talent, you might struggle. So Vitinha will have to do a lot of work on his own and so will the two wide players, Mbappe and Dembele. I think they will get there eventually. This is more a team than ever before under the Qataris, that's for sure. It's also the worst start ever under the Qataris. Yeah, it mm. is. They're outside of the top three now, which they usually mm. never are. This, well, ne they never really are, to be fair. So, yeah, it's, there's not many points there. You know, it's two wins and then one defeat, two draws. It's not, it's not right. great so far. And it's a tough group. So if you, if you do make a mistake, there's no guarantee that you're going to be no, able to rectify right. it later on. And then they host Marseille on Sunday as well. So yeah, huge game. Yeah, yeah. Rafa, what are Dortmund's chances of inflicting further pain on the Parisians, like a local boulangerie. What? 
Boulangerie Dortmund. <laughs> no, Boulangerie Dortmund, yeah. No, pa- pain. pain. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. Pain. Oh, that was... You'll, oh, be, that you'll be panned for that part. <laughs> oh, um, Oh, God. I mean, they won, which is <laughs> yes. good news because there was a real sense of crisis going into that game away to Freiburg. Lots of rumours that Eden Terzic might not survive if they lose another big game or if they lose heavily. But that result brought them a bit of breathing space. To, uh, Mats Hummels scored two goals. Marco Royce came on to score a goal. So they can still play a bit of football. It's not all doom and gloom. Their um, opening few weeks were very, very poor. So it was a sign, a step in the right direction. But I think they would absolutely love it if they can get a draw. I'm not sure they come there with any real strong confidence either. Hmm. What about the other game in that group, James? Earlier on on Tuesday night, 5.45 UK time, Milan hosting Newcastle. Yeah, Milan obviously shook up after losing 5-1 and losing a fifth consecutive Derby della Madonnina. But... I think, should we read too much into it? I think Milan just match up really badly against Inter. They've been good for the rest of the season. You know, they went into that game with a perfect record. Their new signings have settled really well. And they'll be playing at San Siro, um, which will be packed. And I'm sure the players will want to give a reaction. Zlatan, who's retired, showed up at Milanello today <laughs> just to kind of G up the players. And... You know, I'm sure that will have uh, some impact because certainly in the last, I don't know, 18 months of his contract at the club, he was seen as more of a kind of, I don't know, hype man. The bears uh, to their happy money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. The motivator. So I know Sandro Tonali spoke uh, or was due to speak uh, alongside Eddie Howe today. Tonali, who left Milan for, what, 70 million in the summer and they then reinvested that money and rebuilt the midfield and the attack. Whether Tonali's fit enough, I don't know. But, you know, there's been, you know, obviously that will be one of the things to to keep your eye on. But, yeah, I, I think it, reflecting on that 5-1, James, it kind of you go back to that old uh, Vujidin Boskov saying, which is you'd rather lose one game 5-1 than lose five games 1-0. Even if it's a derby. <laughs> Even if it's a derby. Even although if it's a 50 50 in a row. <laughs> although with Pioli, he has lost five <laughs> derbies exactly. in a row. <laughs> right. That man is a machine of uh, sentences that stay as proverbs. Bridget in Bosco. Yeah, because mm-hmm. in Spain uh, he said once after a defeat or something, football is football. And now everyone says that. When uh, there is no way He's to explain <laughs> what happened, football is football. Brexit is Brexit. It's, like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Completely. Okay. Yeah, also an empty cell. <laughs> <laughs> also on Tuesday, you got such delights as Marvin Bommel going back to Barcelona with Royal Antwerp as they have their first European Cup game in 65 years. There's also Mo Sarri against Diego Simeone as Lazio take on Atletico. On Wednesday, meanwhile, Rafa, you're going to be all over Bayern Munich against Ooh. Man United. What's the mood like in Bavaria? Pretty, you know, upbeat. Service Christie. Service Christie. Uh, <laughs> Lederhosen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, during Oktoberfest, there's this uh, mythical idea that Bayern uh, cannot be beaten. Doesn't mm. always bear out uh, as far as results go. But, of course, they did start with that uh, Friday night game just before Oktoberfest started, that 2-2 draw, which they could have easily won. Um, a few repercussions because they didn't win it. Um, some of the debate has moved on from 
maybe the defence not playing so well or the uh, attackers not quite clicking with each other to now the midfield being uh, once again the big story. You know, Thomas Tuchel has been talking about that holding midfielder that he never got. Uh, Joshua Kimmich was brought off after an hour, ostensibly to protect him from injury, but he didn't seem to be aware of that, or at least he didn't seem best pleased about this. And uh, Matthijs de Licht once again had a stint in midfield because Tuchel's only got three midfielders and he doesn't rate them as defensive midfielders, uh, any of them. So that's been an ongoing side story, if you will. But on the whole, I think considering that was a tricky Friday night appointment after International Week when all the players came back very, very late, Bayern go into this game with a degree of confidence. Uh, some of it, of course, due to United's problems. They're thinking, okay, if we're not playing that well, at least we've won four in a row and you know our problems are the sort of problems that other clubs would love to have. And I think at home, especially in Champions League, their record is incredibly strong. They haven't lost a game at home in the group stage in just under 10 years, James. So, yeah, I think there's a degree of anticipation in Munich than a chance to, if not avenge 1999, because it is quite a while ago and they have met since and have always knocked out Man United in the knockouts, then at least to put down a marker for this year's Champions League. Right. Harry um, Kane, who scored again. Harry Kane Friday scored again. Game. Should have scored a second. Mm. It was a great save from Radetzky. And yeah, with Leroy Sané playing really well and Kingsley Coman coming back, possibly Serge Gnabry showing signs of life, maybe Musiala being involved after a bit of an injury layoff. I think Bayern are confident. Very good. Also in the Bayern Munich Man United group are Copenhagen and Galatasaray who will be facing off in Istanbul this midweek. FPL Banger says, can Galatasaray actually make it out of Group A? Have you seen Icardi's goal this weekend when he basically flicked yeah. on that? Yeah. Yeah. You saw that one. Was it as yeah, good as his one against Molde? No, that was better. We saw a, a sort of like backheader, is that how you say in English? In the, the, Freiburg, the first Freiburg goal is, is a bit similar, mm. where you guide the ball. It's not lucky, you just guide it back. Uwe Zela style. Yeah. yeah. Icardi's was nice because he caught the, the keeper really out of like by surprise. Mm. And Jimbo, by the looks and of Jimbo, it. And Jimbo, clearly, yeah. 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 The thing is that they've got many stars in their prime, or almost in their prime. Galatasaray. Yeah, that's the thing. That they, these are no players in the Incredible. Tangy and Dombele. And Dombele. Well, yeah. Yeah. Davidson Dai, Sanchez. Davidson Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. Ziesch, Mertens. Zaha. Mertens is the Zaha. one who is old, actually. Wow. I think. It's, it's, They're going to go all the way to Wembley. It's horny surprise. All the way. Remember his predictions? Did, magic yeah. prediction? Here, here you go. Surprise package. Who do you think is going to miss out in that group then if Bayern... Uh-oh. Man United, it. isn't it? Say is it. it Man United? It's Man United. It. Come on. It. Is it James Horncastle? Yeah, on the balance of what we've seen so far and I think just the general vibe at the club at the moment. It doesn't seem to be a happy place. And I do, do think that has an, has an effect. And yeah, I can only imagine what the reaction would be if they go to Munich and get turned over as expected um, this week. You know, it, it immediately sets you on the back 
foot. And, you know, you've got your um, Welcome to Hell vibes right. again. So, Matchley 2 will see Man United to take on Galatasaray. That'll be at Old Trafford. We'll, we'll see. We'll we will. See. On the goal show on TNT Sports. Boom. Loads of other footballs taking place. What's that, Jules? You want to mention the Arsenal group? What's that, Group B? Yeah. Arsenal with PSV and Sevilla and Lens. Yeah, Lens. Coming Bottom back of Liga. I know. One Bottom. draw, four defeats. In the five games, they lost at home against Mets on Saturday, despite 31 shots since Opta do the um, the stats in in Ligue 1, so 06 or 07 season, I think. This is the 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 game where a team had the most shot and still lost the game. Uh, incredible! The XG was over two. They should have won that game, but got done on on a counter from Mets, who had one shot, I think, and and scored that goal. So. Things are tough for them right now, for Frank Hayes, the manager who we've praised many times on the show, who's done an amazing job so far, but who's a bit struggling this season to find the answers. There's a few things that just don't look right, don't feel right at all in that team. They've got a few injuries as well, but if there's one game where everybody gathered together and you can get that kind of hunger, really, has to be a Champions League game, even if they lack a lot of experience because a lot of that team has never played it. Mm. To go away to Sevilla and Sergio Ramos. Ooh, of all the 32 sides in this season, Champions League, they're the only one without a single player yeah. to previously make an appearance in the competition. Wow. There you go. And, mm. and yeah. maybe, and, maybe... And Ramos has done over 100 this season. Right, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, con- he's just made his debut for Sevilla again. Yeah, he played 90 Re-debut. minutes. Mm. And uh, during the summer, he constantly texted Mendy Libar, telling him that as soon as... Uh, he was appointed, or they signed him, he was ready to play 90 minutes. Basically, Sergio Ramos always thought, and he proved the other day, that uh, he was ready to perform and uh, physically up to the challenge. Uh, I think that this game is important for Sevilla as well, because uh, they haven't negotiated the group stage for a couple of years running now. And uh, this time they are the seeded in their group because they won the Europa League, so this brings them a little bit of an advantage this time. Even though the group is difficult, it could have been more difficult. Mm. And uh, the Sevilla team uh, won their first uh, game of the season uh, last uh, Saturday, so hopefully they will be able to build uh, from that position on. All right. Group C, quick mention for them because they've got Napoli who are taking on uh, Braga in Portugal on Wednesday. And the other game in that group, Rafa... Real Madrid, Union Berlin. Amazing. First Champions League game to go to the Bernabeu. Union, unfortunately, go there on the back of a defeat. 2-1 at Wolfsburg. Gosen scoring again. He's been fantastic since coming from Inter. But they didn't play that badly, Union. And I hope that they can make life difficult for, for Madrid. Certainly incredible experience and incredible moment in this club's history considering where they were 10-15 years ago so yeah wonderful and very romantic occasion James irrespective of the result very nice looking forward to all of that and much much more Tuesday and Wednesday we'll be talking about City Agiles and much yes. much more Liga, Liga, Bundesliga and all that but let's begin in Milan Hi everyone, David Ornstein here, and I want to tell you about The Athletic's new bite-sized podcast, The Daily Football Briefing. If you're one of those people who are just too busy for a regular length podcast in the morning, this is right up your street. In just over 10 minutes, we'll bring you bang up to date with the biggest stories in football, 
all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. It'll be Matt Slater on a club's ongoing takeover saga, our club experts reflecting on big overnight matches, and let's be honest, me explaining those transfer stories that just won't go away. That's the Daily Football Briefing, every weekday morning, available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Coming into the weekend, Inter Milan were tied atop the table. Saturday they met at San Siro, and Inter did that 5-1 to the Rossoneri. Uh, Marcus Turam, would he be the key figure in all of this, do you think? I mean, in the first half, absolutely, because... You know, Milan's coach Stefano Pioli falls into this trap every time he plays against Inter in that Inter will say, you have the ball and we'll have the space and we'll just chuck it in a channel for whoever it is, Dzeko last year, Chiram this year. And they run Milan ragged. And Chiram did that in the first half. I thought it was quite alarming how physically he was more than a match for Malik Chow at the back for, for Milan. Lautaro Bella Ma- Chow. Yeah, <laughs> Bella Chow. <laughs> and yeah, Lautaro, although he didn't score, was brilliant in kind of just linking the play and uh, playing the ball over the top for him. But in the second half, it was like Inter's midfield. Uh, Inter's midfield, which, yeah, Emanuele Giacarini, Jack in the Box. He's now a pundit, James, in Italy. And he was like, this is the best midfield in the world. Mm. He said this a couple of uh, weeks ago. And he was laughed at because it was like, have you not seen like Man City's or whatever? And he was like, well, this midfield coped very well against Man City in the Champions League final, which it did. And it is a really, really good midfield. It doesn't, on paper, look much because, you know, players like Mkhitaryan, been to the Premier League, come back, been to Roma or you know, Chalinolu, you know, aren't coveted, I suppose, by big clubs anymore, um, other than the one that they're at. And yet they are magnificent. And it's you know, Inzaghi's done a great job in sort of reinventing Chalinolu from being a number 10 to a sort of deep-lying number six. Uh, and someone who's really like a tutto campista, you know, he can play everywhere, so he's really good between the lines. Pirelli's box-to-box. And then Fratesi comes on and does what he did mm. in midweek for Italy and scores. Particularly enjoyed his quattro papine. Just. Yeah. <laughs> Fratesi, who's only just joined uh, Inter and you know, has probably already written himself into Derby folklore by uh, mimicking Totti's famous gesture against Juventus when they put four past them and he's waving four fingers at, uh, was, it Igor, was it Mark Giuliano? He did it. So Fratesi, as a Roman himself, um, decided to do that to the to the Milanisti. And Inzaghi, yeah, deserves great credit because you know, we mentioned the the players who, who moved on in the summer, but he's really made this inter team 
around the core of you know Italians, be it you know Bastoni, be it Di Marco. Raf just mentioned Robin Gosens. Gosens was signed to replace Ivan Perisic, and in the end, it's Inzaghi saying, you know what, I like Di Marco more, and Di Marco's been really good. You know, I mentioned I mentioned Barella, Fratesi, uh, Acerbi came back in uh, for the first time in this game and was really key to their sort of build up and beating uh, Milan's press. So Inzaghi. He's on that shortlist for coach of the year with Pep and Spalletti. Um, and a lot of people kind of scratch their heads and think, he, yeah, is he really all that? But I think he keeps showing that he's a really fine manager. Mm. Four straight wins now for Inter. They are on top of the table. Two points clear of Juventus, who downed former manager Flaming Mo Sarri and, and Lazio 3-1, with Vlajevic looking back to his best. A couple of stonking yeah. goals in that. Yeah, Both with his weaker foot. Right. Which was stunning because, I mean, uh, the first one is sort of a no chance for the goalkeeper because uh, it's sort of a, a ball, not even over yeah, his shoulder, which just volleys in. And then his second long ball, it's what, Vlajevic against three defenders. And he mm. scored a little bit like his first Champions League goal for Juventus against Villarreal. I mean, he had a good start last year and didn't build on it. Do, do you think there is something different to it this year? I think... He seems to be more at peace with his body than last year when he was you know, often aggravated by this, um, this groin issue. And you know, they've obviously worked on that in the off-season. You know, I think he knows he is the man. He's certainly come back more determined because you know, he was picking up the papers every day and reading how the club were going to swap him for Romelu Lukaku. And yeah, I think that meant he went into match day one against Udinese determined to, to show that he wanted to stay. Um, and he scored and you know I mean Chiesa scored again and that's the strike pairing that Juventus have got and Chiesa feels like a new signing you know he did come back in February from his knee injury but I think he still needed time you can tell he's not back to his best but physically is able to go past players with pace in the way that he he did before his injury but at the same time I, I look at those two Vlajevic goals and they are they're not out of nothing but they're really hard goals yeah. for a striker to score and it makes me wonder, like, they don't come off all the time. Mm. All right. So. 3-1, though. Juve downed uh, Lazio. Napoli, meantime, were held 2-2 away at promoted Genoa. Fiorentina, who were beaten 4-0 by Inter before the international break, bounced back with a 3-2 win over Atlanta. But down in Rome came the biggest scoreline of all. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of um, pressure on Jose Mourinho. Not from the club, but there was... Um, or for the, from the fans but scrutiny in the media after a really poor start to the season in which they were winless um, they were just playing long ball um, but yeah they put seven past uh, poor Empoli mm. um, bottom of the bottom table, of the table bottom yeah. of the table Empoli to be honest I mean as great as some of the goals were I mean Dybala doing one of his classic sort of oh, mazy runs into the, into the box uh, even Cristante's goal was nice the ball gets rolling nice and early by Empoli giving away a penalty in the first minute for a cross for Lukaku and then an own goal before half-time and then they just kind of folded another mm. three goals in the last 10 minutes of that game. Romelu Lukaku getting his debut goal for the... Nice goal, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it was a nice goal, but I think uh, Renato Sanchez, who came off yeah. at half-time, that was a nice uh, right. nice goal. And, it, it, and also it started from a move with Diego Llorente playing centre-back ball into uh, Renato Sanchez on the floor in between the lines and then a quick one-two 
uh, which Sanchez finishes off he uh, good, with man. a really good header. He looked good in the in the first half that he was on, and there were five new signings in that that Roma team for the first time, and you could see that. Now that the transfer window is shut, maybe that's what Roma looked like. But let's not forget, they were quite fortunate to get the goals that they did in the first half. And it is Empoli. Mm. Kjetil Dvorsnes says, Roma won 7-0 today. When did City Act clubs abandon the don't humiliate your opponents unwritten rule? They should have stopped on four, right? It's true. But in the old days... Yeah, in the old days, absolutely. Um, I was thinking about this sort of like after... Uh, the derby on Saturday I think it's probably to do with Stefano Pioli being in the league because do you know how Roma every couple of years have that just natural glitch where they'll lose a game 7-1 mm. I know it's it's strange to say this after they've won 7-0 Bolo glint. Pioli since he's been in the league you know he obviously lost 5-1 um, to Inter he lost 5-2 to Sassuolo in 2023 lost 5-0 uh, to Atalanta couple of years ago. I lost 5-1 when he was Fiorentina coach to Milan. He lost 5-0 uh, to Napoli when he was at Lazio. He lost 5-0 uh, when he was Bologna coach against Roma. And he lost 6-0 when he was Bologna coach against Lazio. It's not to say that, you know, Pioli's a, uh, a bad coach, just that, you know, every now and again he's got this, he's got this in him. Mm. And maybe, you know, the rest of the league is, oh, look at that. Pioli's lost 5-0 again. Maybe we should run up the score. Maybe uh, we could lose 5-6-7-0. <laughs> Maybe we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. But um, loads of goals in City this weekend. Yeah, loads of really good in goals. eight matches so I mean, far. Bonaventura is... 4.27 a game or something like that. <laughs> so it feels like you've been reading Gazetta this morning or something, James. But, or have you done the Gazetta math in your head there? Just done the math. I'm not sure if those numbers are correct. I mean, the 34 in eight games is correct. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, every week's a high-scoring week in Italy. Uh, let's move on then. And next up, let's touch on one of the things that didn't go well for Juventus this last week. Oh, this is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Paul Pogba has been provisionally suspended from playing. Paris, Not that you'd Paris born and bred. Of course, Paris born and bred, yeah, my boy. Uh, after a uh, drug test found elevated levels of testosterone in his system, this follows a test after Juve's 3-0 win at Udinese back on the opening game of the opening round of the season. Uh, Pogba was an unused substitute that day. If found guilty, we read he could be out for two to four years, which it's hard to see him coming back from, given the, the problems that he was having getting his career back on track, even without any of of this. Mm. Yeah, Friday was in Paris to go to the tribunal to have a, a confrontation with uh, the five guys who kidnapped him. Dina in Paris and demanded 13 million euros as a ransom, so we say, or as a as a payback for like providing, that was the word I was looking for, security around him for all those years. Those childhood friends were not really friends, to be fair. So on the back of that, he's now waiting for the B sample to be done on October the 5th. And if that comes back positive again, like sample A, then I think he's going to start thinking about his defence. You often see players who don't quite live up to the, the promise that everybody, or, or the levels of success that everybody imagines for them when they have an initially brilliant run as, as he did. But what's been going on with him in the last couple of years, the, the kidnapping story, his own brother accusing him of getting a witch doctor to put a, 
uh, juju on uh, on Mbappe. You've had the injuries. You've had so much stuff. It's just extraordinary. It's a it's a Hollywood story, really. But but that turned so negative and so toxic now, and we forget that five years ago he won the World Cup and was one of the best players in the world in that competition for sure. And since then he's all gone down downhill. Uh, terrible. The injuries I think have been bad. The off the field issues with the extortion and all of that was maybe the worst because the injuries happens to a lot of players. You deal with it some better than others, but you you know you deal with it. You well looked after by your club's doctor or anything. The extortion. I think a lot of play, a lot of players more than people think or know are put under a lot of pressure by people they grew up with, especially the the players who grew up in those kind of environment. Paris. Not just Paris, like but big Jules. cities. No, I think, you know, in a lot of countries. And it's not it's not really funny because I think people don't really understand it, but it's something that is quite common, actually, even in even in England. So it's sometimes difficult to deal with. But, but yeah, it's just incredible that all those things have happened to him in the last two years, really. And now the doping is maybe the, the worst in the sense that that could end his career, really, if it's a four-year ban. And you're right to point out the brilliance before all the, the banter years of late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was... I remember seeing him as a 15-year-old at La Fontaine and it was the best thing I've seen in a very long time in football, right. certainly at that age. And even if you think of the Under-20 World Cup in 2013, it was incredible. Even the 2014 World Cup where he was best young player in the tournament. So, And those years at Juve, the first spell, yeah, some of the yeah. games, the things he did with the that ball. That was the best midfield in the his world. His size, right? it was crazy. Yeah, that was a great midfield. Uh, uh, that he, When he was signed, people didn't think he would, he would get into it. Barcelona Bus- Busquets Rakitic Iniesta at that time. Was that no? It was after that, surely. No, Pogba, no, because Pogba played the Champions League final against them, against those three. Well, fair enough then, Alvaro. Yeah. Okay. No, but I mean, it was a, it was a great midfield uh, in Serie A yeah, yeah, because definitely. it was Pirlo, Vidal, Marquisio, and yeah, when he was signed and he had a coach like Conte, people thought, okay, he's just going to sit on the bench. And instead he forced himself into that team and made himself a a player that Man United, who let him go for nothing, would pay 105 million euros for. So whatever people imagine his career or think his career should have been, this is a guy who's you know, won multiple league titles, played in the Champions League final, won the World Cup. Even at 30, that's that's kind of career that a lot of people would dream about regardless of what you, th- what you make of, of Pogba. So um, it's a shame. I think, you know, in terms of this, as Jules says, they're awaiting the, the outcome of this B sample. And then, yeah, the two or four years depends on whether the supplement that was allegedly taken was, it was taken intentionally or not. And that's, that's the difference between those two, two sanctions. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty bleak. I think it was quite interesting what Jules was saying about the injuries because I think the injuries are, in some respects, a consequence of the the stress and tension of the of the off the pitch stuff. And he's spoken about that. How you know your body breaks down yeah, under pressure when you've got well, yeah. when you've got a lot of things going on in your head. You know, it it will have an impact on your body. So yeah, it's um, it's a real shame. And you could tell some of the Juventus players who were talking after after the Lazio game, like Rabiot, for example, yeah. very sad for his sort of friend. Um, that um, that he's in in the circumstances he's in. Mm. Okay, well, back to this weekend's action and Rafa. Let's talk about the Bundesliga. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Der Schiedsrichter gibt den Elfmeter frei, Palacios, Tor! Halb links, halb links, halb hoch, drin, 2 zu 2. Rafa, fabulous game. A game that had everything, many described it, Friday evening between Bayern and and Bayern. Those two teams tied atop the table, and, and, and they still are. But the entire, I think, top six in the Bundesliga are now separated by just one point. One point. Yeah, it's very, um, very tight at the top, James. And like your little hose. It no, he's just tight <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> gives uh, real encouragement, I think, to Leverkusen in particular. Right. To show that uh, even though Bayern, of course, huge favourites to make it 12 in a row, it might not be a foregone conclusion. I think Leverkusen in particular, a lot of people have high hopes for them because they've been so consistent. They look so well coached. They bought really well. Victor Boniface, he didn't score, but he was unplayable at times on Friday. What about Alex Grimaldo with his free kick? Oh, amazing, amazing free kick. His first goal since moving from Benfica. And they have great players and they have a real understanding between the coach and the team. that It's very much built in his image almost. And you see the kind of effect uh, he's had. And with Tuchel still, I don't want to say at war with his board, but there are some dissonance between his views, as we know, on what the squad should look like and what the board ultimately delivered. Maybe there is a chance, but I think if Leverkusen just keep going and keep doing as well as they, they're doing this year, uh, perhaps with a chance to win the Europa League, I think Xavi Alonso will maybe already become too good for this team mm. by the end of the year and move on. Do you think Real Madrid, because this is a question from Richard yeah, yeah. David Pike, would, would Real Madrid already have Alonso on their shortlist the, because they've got Ancelotti probably leaving to join Brazil? The answer is big yes, definitely. I mean, a couple of years ago, even a year ago, I would say that Xavi Alonso and Raul will probably um, leveled in that uh, candidate list. Behind but, Jose. <laughs> well, Jose you laugh. Zidane, Zidane. You, laugh. Zidane. you laugh, but uh, Florentino <laughs> is a massive admirer of uh, Jose yeah. still. still. Yeah. But yeah, I think that Xavi uh, Alonso will be definitely, if things stay as they are now, the mm. biggest candidate to be the next, the next Real Madrid manager. Okay, well, for now, he's doing great work with Bayer Leverkusen. And, and this game, even though they didn't win it, uh, a test of their ability to hang at this level, Rafa, which they passed? Yeah, they did. I mean, they very nearly lost, and I don't think they could have complained too much because Bayern had chances, had perhaps better chances, especially in the second half, but they stuck to it and they showed that resilience that sometimes people suspect 
they as a club don't possess. You know, you have all the cliches about them being bottlers and stuff going back decades really by this point. But they seem to be made from pretty stern stuff. And they found a way to, to get that draw, which defended the, the lead for them. They're still top thanks to that draw. And this was the most difficult game they will have all season. So it bodes very well for them. Okay. Although next weekend, they're going to be up against uh, 80s sitcom Heidenheim, who uh, this weekend had one of the surprises of the of the round, beating Werder Bremen <coughs> 4-2. Heidenheim, who just come up from Bundesliga's Vi. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the 80s sitcom reference. Nor did anyone, apparently. <laughs> Heidi High. There we go. There you go. Sorry, I was texting. Heidi High, Heidi Ho. No? It's the, wasn't it like a beach? Uh, it was a holiday camp holiday themed camp. sitcom. It's a real shame. But at Heidenheim. <laughs> yeah, Heidenheim. Just had the a, name of it like, sounds really, really good. A fantastic <laughs> result. Werder Bremen have problems. They're yes. defensively quite shaky. But still, for Heidenheim to win and win in style with uh, Kleindienz opening the scoring and then uh, Dinci, the former Ode Bremen player, on loan as well. It was a wonderful performance and they played really good stuff. I mean, people, including me, have been a bit dismissive of them because, A, they have no um, real fan base to speak of coming from such a small place, but also because their football, <laughs> their football was supposed to be a little bit basic. But they played it with such kind of oomph and uh, determination that was great to watch. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, excellent. Well, that, that's good. For them. What, what else struck you about this weekend in the Bundesliga, Rafa? And uh, I've got another question as well about the German national team after the recent upheaval yeah, there. I think we should quickly mention uh, the Darmstadt-Gladbach game because right. Darmstadt were 3-0 up. Then they uh, lost a the player. Then Gladbach missed a penalty. And then the game finished 3 all. Amazing. That really was amazing. Mm. Darmstadt, who hadn't picked up a point before this this season. Is that true? Yeah, they, this was their first point of the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, newly promoted Darmstadt. So mm. close to winning and perhaps should have won. But in the end, were quite happy with that point because they were holding on against that resurgent Gladbach side. Right, Mönchengladbach, who are perilously close, although it's very early on in the season, uh, to the wrong end of the table. Uh, Rafa, though, um, meantime, with the German national side, over the international break... Have we spoken since? No. Oh, OK. So Hansi Flick, who could do no wrong as Bayern Munich manager, is Midas Touch deserting him at the hand uh, at the, uh, the helm of the Mannschaft, and... <laughs> and and Rudy Vula yeah. coming in and okay, a little win over oh, France there. Because Rudy Nazionale Rudy can't fail I think the <laughs> <laughs> I think the message from that Rudy game James now anyway um, I don't think France were entirely motivated for this game no, Kylian yeah, Mbappe never made right. it onto the pitch they looked a little bit like eh, uh, Larry David. Anyway, they they weren't very um, engaged. No, right. Right. And Germany were the opposite. 
and Rudy Fowler. They really wanted to play. They played with freedom. They played with uh, real aggression. They ran. Even after 50 seconds, the crowd were celebrating because Florian Witz had won the ball back in midfield and they were like, yeah. And it kind of became this event where suddenly every run was celebrated, was cheered by the Dortmund fans. They really tried to help the team and the team responded and it's got this wonderful, wonderful goal where it was a combination all through the pitch and then in the end, uh, who scored? Was it uh, Müller? Yeah, Thomas Müller volleyed in, uh, half volleyed in the ball uh, across from David Raum. It was great performance and a sign that these players aren't quite as bad as they have been looking for the last uh, six months. So given how good Hansi Flick looked when he was at FC Bayern, what went wrong for him with the national side? I think at Bayern he turned back the clock tactically. He brought back the ideas from Heinkes and from Pep after the team had really laboured under Niko Kovac. They didn't like him, they didn't like the system and he came in and changed everything and they liked him and they liked this old system, if you will. And they went on this ride, on this wave, and he didn't really have to do that much. In the second year, his first full season, things were already a little bit shaky and they won the league by playing some pretty ropey stuff. And watching the documentary on Amazon, because they did one on the World Cup fiasco, you see that he really struggles to motivate and to galvanize these players there is no spark there's no real passion there's no real emotion and all his attempts to rouse them fall really flat starting with his uh, showing them a documentary on gray geese gray geese yeah and how they fly in yeah, formation so in formation ferguson, yeah uses, ferguson yeah. probably did it well. 20 years ago yeah, true. Uh, and being Alex Ferguson, probably people thought, you okay, can, it's yeah. Sir Alex, so it must be interesting. But um, you see the, the faces of the players watching this documentary, and the message just doesn't doesn't land. Uh, and then to the geese, Hansi Flick, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hansi Flick uh, kind of just reinforces the point right. and says, "Remember, man, you saw it here. Right. Together, yeah. by flying together, by working together, they can fly seventy percent more." Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. And everyone's just like, okay, right. fine. 70%. Should have shown like... The, more fouls. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Rudy Vullick's come in and he's a temporary solution. Is there a big name that the uh, the DFB are looking to bring in in the long term, Rafa? Yeah, there's, there's a few big names that they're looking at. Is there one based on Merseyside? That would be the ideal candidate. That would be their preferred candidate. But... Um, of course, Jurgen Klopp's not available now. Mm. Jurgen Klopp, I think, is also not in a position to say, I will definitely come after the Euros. Just wait for me. Just put Fuller there. So the German FA, as much as they want him, the timing, as it was when Flick was appointed, by the way, just doesn't seem to be right. It doesn't quite fit into Klopp's calendar and maybe his, his plans for his career. But I think eventually, maybe it might take another two, three years, but I think eventually he will become Germany manager. Just not now, unfortunately, okay. from a German point of view. So Nagelsmann is, of course, the one candidate that is available. There are some financial issues because you would have to take a big pay cut going from the Bayern salary to the German FA salary. German FA really struggling for money at the moment. 
and um, some people saying he may be lacking the seniority, the uh, the charisma, the personality to to be national manager, where there's a lot of man management and and keeping the egos in check and not that much actual tactical work. And they are, believe it or not, pointing towards Louis van Gaal. Surely not. As a this is not credible contender. Right. Michael Balak today said he would be a good a good appointment, difficult but good appointment. Mm. Um, how I, is, it, how I is like Louis van Gaal? His health. I mean, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I think he's recovered, but right. I don't know how how he is if he'd be mm. up for the job. Um, having endured many Holland games in Qatar, I would hope that the German FA <laughs> will choose somebody different. Right. Uh, just for Ralph Rennick. Aesthetic reasons. Not available. Like a grey goose. He, he, he won <laughs> a grey goose. <laughs> not not I can't believe none of us said Hansi Flock. Ah, nice, James. Yeah. Well, it would have been. Well, it's not too late. Not too late. Charlie can put it in. Put it now. But, yeah. So, well, there you go. So, maybe Louis van Gaal. Amazing. Amazing. I find it hard to believe. But it's not impossible. Has the German national team ever had a non-German coach? No. Okay. They've never had a non-German coach. Roy Hodgson was in contention just over 20 years ago when they were really struggling. After Betty Fuchs was uh, let go or resigned, uh, not long after the 1998 World Cup. But no, I mean, Hansi Flick became the first Germany manager ever to get fired. Really? Yeah. All the others were allowed to resign with some degree of dignity and maybe that ushers in a new area of the first ever non-German manager good lord wow. thanks Rafa Next Laurent up. Blanc's available yeah Laurent Blanc. have him we'll have get him. on to and that and he already has the right name why because Germany play in white okay <laughs> white and black wow there we go that's a compelling pitch <laughs> there we go so, uh, allo je m'appelle uh, Laurent <laughs> How's, how's Laurent Blanc? Vice. Larry Weiss. Larry Weiss. Larry Weiss. Let's talk about Leon, Larry Weiss's former side, and much more next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, PSG, yeah, they lost 3-2 at home to Nice. We touched on this a bit, Jules, but I feel like we could say a little bit more about man of the match, Terran Moffi. What an extraordinary career arc he's having. Yeah, incredible. I mean, he's only 24 years old, so I think there's more to come. How much more? I don't know if he can play in a top, top European club. He's still... At times, a little bit raw, right? But he's so powerful, so quick. He's he's Nigerian. Yeah. Uh, he, he began at the Buxwood Football Academy in East Sussex. Yeah, that's right. And how did he get to Nice? So he was at Lorient before. I think he okay. was in Scandinavia before going to Lorient. I think he's been in Lithuania, Belgium, and now France. Belgium, sorry, yeah, right. And quite quite a trek, to be fair. He did well at Lorient, and then Nice. To be fair to them, I've had a lot of wrong signings. But in his case, he's the highest ever transfer, 30 million euros. He took a bit of time to get into the groove when he arrived. But now, I mean, certainly in, the, in those kind of games, and again, he's much better when there's a lot of space to run into, when the defender that marks him is Krenia, who 
literally runs with the uh, the caravan, you know, attached to him and stuff like that. Because for that, it was great. Even if there's a couple of deflected shots, he was still brilliant. And they, they just could not stop him. None, none of those PhD defenders. So well done to him. And to the Nice manager, who's also very unknown to, mm. I think, a lot of the listeners probably, Francesco Farioli, who's 34, who's never been a player, who just went to university to study uh, poetry, I think, or philosophy, and then made it through the, the hardware, the backware, as a goalkeeping coach first, to... Yeah, no, Francesco worked with Desedbi at exactly. Sassuolo. I and think he learned a lot. In terms yeah. of the... He says he's a goalkeeping coach, but like not in terms of teaching a goalkeeper yeah, how to no stop trades. shots. Yeah. But the build-up play that you see Brighton yeah. do. And you can see it in his niece side. He struck out on his own and went to Turkey a little bit like AVB did with Mourinho, which I think uh, yeah, Desedbi was like, oh, okay, you want to go on your own, do you? I went to Turkey. He was with... Fatih Kurugumur. <laughs> <laughs> and Alanya Sport. Great pronunciation as well. <laughs> and those are the kind of jobs where you have to do everything. You're not just be yeah. a coach, you have to be sporting director, all kinds. So he learned mm. a lot there. And yeah, had a, I think a few interviews in Syria. Never, never got, uh, never got a job at like Spezia or something, but got the job at Nice. And really they're, they're undefeated. Yeah, in his interview. He First was really, game of the season, they played yeah. really well against Lille. Um, and yeah, definitely, you know, as much as like the Premier League now is very much, a, if not a Guardiola league, then a Deserbi league, then yeah, I think Francesco one day would be quite an interesting person to see in the Premier League. Mm. Very interesting. Nice up in fourth place, only two points off the top. Yeah. As you mentioned, Jules, PSG are fifth, one point further back. Uh, Monaco, who had the chance to really extend the lead, actually only drew a Monaco league in, leading league uh only drawing 2-2 at Lorient. Yeah, they played so really well, but just they did. not see the game out, yeah. Mm. Balogun with a goal on his debut Yeah, there. coming off the bench mm. for Ben Yedder, who was pretty anonymous and then scoring. Really, I mean, Golovin was outstanding. This Monaco team and Adi Hertha's job, we said it before, but incredible. They are the best team in the country right now. They have the derby against Nice next weekend. Oh, uh, Of course, it? yeah, which would be very special. On Friday night, so the classic on Sunday and the, the Nice Monaco game on the Monaco Nice game. Sorry, on Friday, twenty second. So that would be pretty cool. Uh, but Will yeah, both they, sets of fans be allowed to that. So are there fans in Monaco? <laughs> oh, <stop>. oh, <laughs> that's mean. Um, yeah, some of them travel to Lorient. It's a long way yeah. from Monaco to Lorient to travel by uh, super yacht, but probably or <laughs> private jets for some of them. Um, <laughs> Uh, at this good, I don't think we've heard the, the prefet yet, so the okay. chief, chief police saying if they were allowed or not. But you, you know, it's more, I think, the Nice Marseille, even more than the Nice Monaco. Right, probably. very good. Excellent. Marseille taking on PSG on Sunday. Before that, they are going to be up against Ajax in the Europa League. We haven't touched on the Europa League. No, coaches, I mean, I don't know which team is worse than the other right now because Ajax are pretty pretty terrible they mm. lost 3-1 against 20 they're 12th this weekend. right now they're 12 yeah yeah and it's, I mean you can I guess you can sometimes not win and still play well they are terrible with the ball with I, I mean there's nothing good that they do and Marseille are not much better so please watch it on TNT the home of football <laughs> it should be pretty dire but yeah Marseille that nil-nil against Toulouse on Sunday afternoon again two hours of your life that you would never get back I, I just don't understand how bad it can be really because I think they have good players it's just just not working so far for Marcelino and mm. he would have to 
get a groove very quickly because otherwise it's going to get more and more toxic. We already saw the ultras calling the players over. It was not too toxic, but it would get toxic very quickly if they don't get it right. And if they lose to Ajax, then lose to PSG. Oof. After that, I think it'd be pretty heavy for them. Okay. How's the toxicity in Lyon after they got off the foot of the table having binned Larry Blanc? Yeah, yeah. Larry White is gone. Fabio Grosso, obviously, who played for the club towards the end of his career, 07-09, and did a really good job at Frosinone, bringing them back up to, to Serie A. Has been appointed now. He was only in the stand on Sunday. Again, not a great game to watch. To back to back nil nils if you watch Marseille Toulouse and then Lyon Le Havre. Uh, so there's a lot of work for him to do, and they just look so short of confidence. All of them, Lacazette, Cherki. So it, it won't be easy. It won't be easy for him. But at least there's no European games. It's not like Marseille. You can right. just focus on the league for, for Marseille behind it. Or the team who are bottom of the table, Lens, who are making and their well, debut yeah. in the Champions League away at yeah. Sevilla. What's happened to Lens then, given how good they were last season? I don't know. I, I do wonder if they... I mean, they lost to Kofofana, the, the captain who went to Saudi Arabia, who... I know it's only one player, but he was, he was doing so much for this team on and off the field. And I think he is a big miss and they haven't really fulfilled the gap that he left. Uh, Openda, who's doing great with Leipzig. We haven't mentioned Leipzig earlier, but he's doing great and they were great again against Augsburg this weekend. He's a big miss, even if they signed Eli Wai, who was very talented and I think will come good. And just nothing is going their way. Again, 31 shot against Mets and not, not scoring was, was bad for them. So let's see. But I guess if they can get something positive against Sevilla, it, I don't think they need much to get going again, basically. Mm. All right. But it's, it's just when that happens. Very good. Alvaro, you, you forgot to set your alarm for the for the Liga chat. Sorry, should I put it now? Beep, put it beep, put it now. Beep, beep. Where's your watch? Are you still? Ah, oh, it changed his watch. Nice. I got one four. Of those. All right. Sorry, okay, you've stuff. been waiting very patiently. We'll we'll get onto La Liga next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Alvaro, match day five in La Liga, and you mentioned one of the biggest surprises was Valencia stunning Atleti. 3-0. You also had Barcelona putting five past Real Betis, who are going to be up against Rangers Thursday night in the Europa League. And then, of course, there was the Real Madrid-Real Sociedad, the two-real uh, match. Real coming from behind to make it five wins out of five there. Have you talked enough about Takikubo there? I'm not sure. He was pretty special. That that little gif going around of him nutmegging Tony Cruz was yeah. delicious. And Tony Cruz didn't like it at mm. all. I mean... It's a saying that he didn't complete the move like Messi did with Milner. You know what I mean? Because uh, then... Well, like because Tony that he's put not him on his... He sort of shoved him over. But his whole game, I mean, yeah. he's set up one goal, scored what would have been an absolute blinder if it had not been for another player being offside. Yeah. Uh, then there were other I chances that, that should have finished in goals. And the nutmeg on Tony Cruz. I mean, come on. Yeah, Ooh. well, that's what we were just talking about. I know, I know, but still, right. it's yeah. illegal. Mm. But no, Tony Cruz, by the way, should mm. be legal. No, but f- fouling him clearly because he raises his leg just so Kubo doesn't get the ball back behind. Yeah, and you know it's a bit. Come on, it's so beautiful. Let let the game flow. That's a, that was a real shame. But uh, I think that Kubo really, he's a former Real, Real Madrid player, really improved, uh, having an impact on the games. Uh, I think that uh, he's got the qualities to score ten goals, provide ten assists, uh, being double figures. This season, definitely, I really think that there is still a potential in this player and he can do even more. But yeah, it was a good performance by Real Sociedad. I think that uh, 
there were a few things that could have been better. For example, I think that in the second half, uh, when Fede Valverde scored the 1-1, then Real Sociedad should have stopped the game a little bit because Real Madrid, uh, when the game becomes like a, basically a fight with no gloves, I think Real Madrid is better than Real Sociedad. And uh, they needed a player like David Silva. I missed David Silva yesterday, but he retired this summer because he broke his ACL and he said, I cannot play football anymore. And Real Sociedad haven't replaced that player, a player who gives a little bit of pausa, as we say in Spanish, just to, to win those games. Cuba was good, Oyarzabal was dreadful. I think that if I have to raise my concerns about someone, it's uh, this guy who a year ago was still fighting to make it to Luis Enrique's squad to the World Cup because he was rushing, uh, trying to recover from his uh, ACL injury. He suffered in March 2022, he didn't. And after that, he has never been the same player. He's a shadow of himself. You know, Real Sociedad over there has an issue. And if uh, Cho, the French footballer, or um, André Silva, uh, the Portuguese player. Umar Sadik as well. Uh, Umar Sadik as well. Sadik, uh, he also had an ACL uh, rupture last season in September. So another one, Real Sociedad was very unlucky with that. André Silva was appointed this summer. He still hasn't featured. So Real Sociedad needs a proper number nine to play in the Champions League and to play in La Liga, of course. Uh, but yeah, it was a good display. Real Madrid showing again that uh, they got the physical ability to outmuscle and out outrun you, as they did. Uh, Jude Bellingham didn't score this time. Still, he did a very good game. Fede Valverde, Valverde coming from the final third. He scored a beautiful goal. And uh, José Luis is still scoring. I don't know if the Jose Lu plan is going to be enough in a Champions League uh, contest because the Champions League obviously demands the best of you and Real Madrid won the Champions League uh, a couple of years ago basically uh, relying a lot on the one choose between Vinicius and Benzema and that is gone now, Vinicius is out, Benzema is no longer there but Jose Lu so far, he's been okay I mean, he scored the other day with Spain as well he's scoring for Real Madrid Let's see if this is enough uh, in a potential semi-final of the Champions League. But Real Madrid is stopping the table with 15 points. That's good. good. Two points clear of Barcelona, who had that big win over Betis with debut goals from Cancelo yeah. and from João Felix. Other stories from La Liga included Sevilla getting off the bottom of the table with their first victory against the Las Palmas side, who left most of their players at the airport in a kind of John Hughes-esque bit of tactics. Uh, yeah, that, that story was weird. Uh, so 15 of their players went for a coffee and couldn't find yeah, the aeroplane. The, the manager, Garcia Pimenta, was fuming about that. Well, you can imagine. Uh, of course, was you can imagine. Irish coffee. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, looks like that, yeah. yeah. Um, Garcia Pimienta is a guy who, by the way, uh, when Valverde was sacked, he was one of the candidates to be the Barcelona manager because mm. he was, was at Barcelona B. Yeah, he was the B team manager. The B team manager. Uh, he never made it. Uh, but yeah, Las Palmas... Uh, couldn't uh, do it, make it against Sevilla. I think Sevilla was better than um, the, the, the team from the islands, uh, Sergio Ramos playing. Uh, and also Luque Bacchio scoring, a player that uh, comes from the Bundesliga. I think that uh, some seasons he had been very good um, in uh, Germany. I think that he even was capable of scoring more than 10 goals one season. And he's adding something that Sevilla doesn't have. Luque Bacchio is uh, both physical and kind of fast. And Sevilla... Apart from Ocampos, doesn't have players of that uh, profile and uh, physiognomy, and I think that he can, he can add something. And when it comes to Barcelona, very quickly, the Joao's can make a difference for Barcelona. Uh, I was against uh, 
Joe Cancelo and Joan Felix going to Barcelona from a financial point of view. Because I think that they improve the team, but not so dramatically. They are not so transformative, perhaps, for Barcelona to compromise more their finances. But when you see, especially Joe Cancelo at Barcelona, he's a proper right back. Jules Kunde was a makeshift one. He was doing a good job, but Joe Cancelo's goal the other day was phenomenal. I mean, and uh, Barcelona right now has... Uh, a squad in which every player is competent. Maybe not all of them are stars, but all of them are very good. And uh, what checking the squad that, for example, Ronald Koeman was given, uh, the Dutch guy, uh, two, three years ago. Exactly. Um, and for example, Martin Braithwaite, he played over 40 games. Mingueza, he played over 30. Serginho Dest, over 40 games. That was Barcelona's reality two, three years ago. Right now, they made a total turnaround of the squad. The levers. The levers, yes. Palancas. And, the palancas and many players coming for free. Uh, um, for example, a player like Braithwaite, who was at the time better than Antoine Griezmann, as you know, and as I, as I know as well, as Barcelona Press was saying at the time. You know, players like that don't play, no longer play for Barcelona. Now up front, they've got the options of Ferran Torres, that I didn't know that he could take free kicks. Well, I didn't know that about Julian Alvarez either, and he surprised me this weekend. Joe Felix, Yamin Lamal, Robert Lewandowski... Rafinha, and I'm sure that I'm missing someone else. So at least that is a quality squad. Magnificent. And also from the Liga this weekend, one of the big news stories was Mason Greenwood making his debut yeah. for Getafe. He played for Getafe. Uh, he came on, I think, that for 13 minutes plus the aggregate. Apparently, uh, he was praised. Well, he was praised for his passing, uh, mm. even though I think that... Uh, he was signed to be uh, a proper scorer uh, for the team. And yes, this is a fresh start for him and Getafe. There is not much more I can say, really. Uh, mm. The truth is that uh, I don't know if the Greenwood uh, profile and the Greenwood story um, has become also a sort of a source of clickbait. I think Getafe and some, you know, Marca or us, uh, you see that they are using the headlines of Greenwood a lot, writing headlines about him when actually he hasn't played that much or that well yet. But I think that right now he's an attention grabber. So, you know, we'll follow up that story. Even right. Bordalas with the Bellingham line, saying that Bellingham kind of advised Greenwood to go and then Bellingham people clearly said yeah. to the press, no, that never, that never happened, Bellingham had nothing to do and then Bordalas had to apologise and said, actually, I got it confused. Bellingham, you know, that was, that was strange too. Yeah, right? because Getafe knew clearly what uh, Greenwood um, background is about. Uh, the sporting director of Getafe said that uh, Mason Greenwood had been declared innocent. That never happened. Charges were uh, removed, right? So yeah, uh, I think Getafe's uh, handling of uh, the Mason Greenwood thing hasn't been too good from the PR perspective. But the player is uh, on the pitch now and he played his first game the other day, uh, winning um, 3-2 against Osasuna. Indeed so. Indeed so. Uh, anything else from La Liga this weekend, uh, Only from uh, women's football. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The players, three days ago, um, sent a letter to the Spanish FA uh, with a number of conditions for them to return to the team. Uh, there were over 30 players who signed uh, that statement. Uh, one of them, Atenea del Castillo, player of Real Madrid, didn't sign it for her own personal reasons. Uh, but 30 players said that they were not going to go to the Spanish FA. On Monday, Monse Tomé, the new coach, was going to... Uh, released the, the list for the next Nations League games. On Monday morning, the situation was like this. Monse Tomé was going to release her list and the players said that they weren't going to play. But mm. on Monday afternoon, early afternoon, the Spanish FA has sent a statement saying that they accept 
some of the um, requirements of the players. Uh, what, what are the requirements? They basically, they want to replicate or they want to have like a profe pro they want to professionalize all the board and all the sporting director and all the pyramid of women's football and make it equal to the men's one. Because in uh, women's football, there is the feeling that uh, some people who were not perhaps too qualified were having too many important positions. And uh, they also want uh, many people to leave because uh, it's true that Rubiales uh, resigned, it's true that Jorge Vilda was sacked, but many of the people who were clapping Rubiales like crazy when Rubiales was saying that he wasn't going to resign are still there. And um, the players want many of these people out, basically. So yeah, uh, long thing short. Apparently, there is an open dialogue right now, at least on Monday afternoon, an open dialogue started. And uh, Monse Tomei gave her list, she released it, and uh, 15 of the world champions are in her list. Whether these players are going to accept to play for Spain or not, it's something to be discovered very soon. Remarkable. All right, excellent. But now that wraps it up for today's Totally Football Show. Many thanks to Alvaro James, to Rafa and Jules and producer Charlie. Rachel has been putting bits on YouTube, so if you fancy getting a look at Rafa's Lederhosen... Can you stand up and I've show I've already had some feedback. Somebody must have already seen it. Really? Can I post yeah. the photos really? that I took of you then? It's not going live. All right. What does the feedback say, right? Like the outfit. But oh, then I could refer to any refer outfit. refer to any week. Yeah, yeah. Any Every week. Is this, maybe it's last week. It's narrowed down. Tweet. Yeah. Right. Well... We could sit and talk about this all afternoon. <laughs> but, Jules, you've got things to do. Yes, I've got things to do. So, uh, many thanks to you as well, and everybody, yada, yada, yada. But you above all, listener, we'll be back next Tuesday with more Euro Chat. So, do join us for that. In the meantime, have a great week and goodbye from us all. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.